you have this incredible tool, which is your breath, your lungs, and the muscles in your body. And you just have to learn to use them in a way that supports your nervous system. Perfection be the enemy of the good. Self-love is really about self-respect and acceptance. Welcome to The Whole View. I'm Stacey Toth of Real Everything. I'm here each week to dive deeper into how we can find happiness and health inside and out through self-love finding positivity, and discovering new ways to be our best selves. Before we get started, a reminder, the podcast is for general educational purposes and is not intended to diagnose, advise, or treat any physical or mental illness. And while Dr. Pedre, did I say your name correctly? Yeah. You did? Pedre, yeah. Is a board-certified functional medicine doctor. He's not your doctor, so we always recommend that you see a licensed quickly. Welcome, doctor, to the show. Can I call you is Vincent? Is that correct? Is that That's okay? my first name, Dr. Vincent. <laughs> okay, great. Well, I am excited to introduce our listeners to you. They can find links in the show notes to your Instagram and your TikTok. Kudos to you. We were talking before the show started about having teenagers and I myself have a, a lot of teenagers who love TikTok, tried it myself, cannot, just cannot deal. But I know you're there and you also have a website that we can refer people to that's going to be more related to the topic today, gutsmartprotocol.com, where people can find follow-up information. And we're going to be talking about your Gut Smart Protocol, which is a new book that was published just last month but also your just general experience working with patients, you know, being on social media and the internet and trying to be an educator of health and wellness. So welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> I'm going to give our listeners a little introduction in case they aren't familiar with your work already. Dr. Pedre, founded Happy Gut Life over a decade ago, and you have devoted your career as a medical doctor to helping patients improve their well-being and quality of life by building the foundation of gut health that supports total physical and mental wellness, which I'm, we're going to talk about that because for me, that's where I think a lot of the wellness industry goes wrong, and I think it's such an important intersection. And you've been a leader in the gut space since your first book. Happy Gut. And your most recent book, The Gut Smart Protocol, is a culmination of 20 years of your clinical experience and research as a functional expert. And unlike most one-size-fits-all prescriptive health books in the market, this book offers a personalized plan for each reader by having them take the Gut Smart quiz, finding the Gut Smart score, and then using it to individualize the plan. So I am excited to dive into how you kind of wrap up the summary, which is through it, then we can all learn how to use true wellness to achieve the power of the gut, body, mind, spirit connection. So welcome to the show. 
for whatever I did not include. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? <laughs> well, part of the reason that I feel so passionate about gut health and what really drew me to becoming a gut health expert was the fact that I grew up with a whole host of gut issues that turned into IBS, ir irritable bowel syndrome. And it was because of having been on 20 plus rounds of antibiotics as a child, pretty much destroyed my gut microbiome. I wasn't absorbing my nutrients. I was rail thin, but eating anywhere between three and 4,000 calories a day. So go figure. And I had developed food sensitivities to wheat or gluten, right? And dairy. So I am, um, I would get sick all the time. I was basically a teenage hypochondriac, afraid to be around sick people because I had such a weak immune system. And the doctors just would give me a multivitamin and say, I need to eat more. I'm like, well, I'm eating a lot and I can't gain weight. <clears throat> and so that was part of the impetus for going to medical school is kind of figuring out well, why do I get sick so often? And how is it that I can get better? And, but really didn't make the tie between, you know, the connection between the gut and the immunity and how I was feeling in general until much later when I had already trained as a internal medicine doctor. And I was still seeking, you know, I was always, you know, I would call myself a truth seeker. So even after four years of medical school and three years of an evidence-based residency training program in internal medicine, I felt that I had not been shown the entire truth around health. And I was still seeking because I also believed in natural remedies. And I grew in, up in a household that my dad took a lot of supplements and, you know, was into like exploring diet and bad oils versus good oils and things like that. So he had a good amount of knowledge, not a, quite enough, but enough to, I think, imprint on me as a child, even though we thought, you know, we would make fun of it as children, <clears throat> that food is really important. What we eat is really important. And you don't get nutrition training in medical school. So a lot of it I had to do post-medical school, reading books, but also attending a lot of medical conferences that dealt with nutrition and functional disorders. And that's where I discovered that my issues with my gut were actually caused by all the antibiotics that I had been on and the food sensitivities that I had. And I started reversing that by fixing my diet, really being conscientious about where food was being sourced, what types of vegetables I was eating or meats and probiotics, fermented foods, all that. And so I just became really curious. So I was already a medical doctor in practice and seeking the answers that I felt were still out there to be found. And I started seeing improvements in how I felt, my energy levels, my mental clarity, all that shifted 
by taking gluten out of my diet, improving other things about the way that I ate. And I just became really curious about patients when they came in with gut health issues. Because if you look at it from the Western medicine point of view, a gut health patient with IBS is treated with either an antispasmodic, an antidiarrheal, something for constipation, or they're told that they're depressed and they put them on an antidepressant. Those are the options. And it's managing symptoms, not root cause. Yeah, not root cause. And it never felt right to me. It felt like I had been only taught like rudimentary kindergarten language to understand the digestive system. And I wanted grad level, grad school level understanding of what was going on. And that's what I discovered through functional medicine, all the root causes and realizing, you know, what we were categorizing as one thing actually could be multiple different things for different people presenting with the same symptoms, but different root causes depending on the person. Yeah, I think it's interesting that it took a personal experience, right? A lived experience of your own to kind of have not just understanding and compassion for, but an interest in expanding that knowledge beyond the approach that we see in modern medicine. I think there's wonderful value in modern medicine and the tools that we now have to help support people who have symptoms. And we also have uh, a world of knowledge that we can address to reduce symptoms in a more natural or holistic sort of way as well. And when it, we can marry those two, it's, I find it's often like this weird limbo area in the wellness space where people are often one one side or the other, right? Like we want to go all for holistic or we want to go all for modern medicine. But I I love being able to support people on kind of both sides. And hopefully over time, you see less of a need for modern medicine if you're improving in your case, gut health. And there could also be other things play. I don't know how much you know about me or our show, but our prior co-host, Dr. Sarah Ballantyne, was a gut health expert as well. She had a PhD in medical biophysics. So we did a lot of shows diving into the incredible power that your gut has to affect your overall general well-being. And so our listeners are, I think, more educated than most people than you might talk to on this topic. And I think for me, I've come a really long way in my journey of trying to focus on metrics of health for people, right? Instead of where my journey started in this, you know, I wrote books and all the stuff was focused on weight loss. I, as part of that, sacrificed a lot of my health in the process, which I think happens to a lot of people who think weight loss is health versus really listening to your body and leaning into the things that actually improve metrics of health, gut health being one of them, right? Like digestion and gut health is one of the first things that one can point to. So that's why I think it really struck me when you summed up your book and your work as really how true wellness is the power of all of these things coming together, right? It's yeah. it's your gut, it's your body, it's your mind, it's however you're connecting to the world and community around you. So I know that your book says weight loss, 
but I have you on the show because I think that I'm going to guess that was a little bit of a marketing shtick. And because also I, I see the work that you do that you offer more than that. Am I correct in guessing? I'm hoping just a little bit that I'm, I've read between the tea leaves there. Well, I will tell you this from my experience working with patients with gut health issues over the last more than a decade is that what I found is if people who have stunted weight loss, and that can be for many reasons, that's always connected to the gut. There, there are so many things that the, the gut is responsible for that can actually, if they're not functioning properly and that being your gut border, your interface to the, you know, it's an interface to what I call the inside outside world, right? Because really the inside of our gut is actually part of the outside world. It's just inside of us. And that interface is super important in regulating inflammation in the body. And when that interface gets broken down, then the floodgates open up. I'm actually lecturing this year at the A4M Spring Congress, where I'm talking about the connection between inflammation and the gut and all the research around it, which is amazing because this is not like we're saying, you know, this is all evidence-based. We can measure these things in the blood. And we find that endotoxin or lipopolysaccharide, which comes from gram-negative bacteria that live in the gut naturally, but when that gut barrier is broken down, more of that is going to get into the body. And that activates a whole host of inflammatory signals. It scrambles the insulin signal, makes people insulin resistant. So puts the body in a state where you hold on to weight, you pack on more weight in the middle. And, but when, you know, when you say my book is more than that, my, everything I've done has always been more than that. You know, my, you know, in the book, I say gut, body, mind, spirit. And that's really what I do. You know, people, sometimes people reach out and want to work with me. And a lot of times it's because they're having some sort of gut health issue. And what they don't realize is, yeah, I'm looking at your body and your whole system from the point of view of the gut and the gut microbiome, but I take into account everything, you know, and you can't be reductionistic, but at the same time, you want to meet people where they're at, right? And people understand diet, nutrition, People understand that something needs to change there if they want to lose weight, if they want to feel better, if they want more energy, if they want to just, you know, just have vibrant health. My goal with this book has been to show all of the interconnections because I've always been about holistic health. I started meditating and doing breath work when I was 21 years old, eight months before I went to medical school. And by the time I got into medical school, by the time I started my first year of medical school, I was meditating five days per week, 30 minutes each time. And I had also discovered yoga. So before I went to medical school, I got really fascinated with this whole concept of holistic medicine, of looking at the person as a whole, the mind, body, spirit. 
And my mind was cracked open in such a way that medical school was not able to close it, even though they tried. They tried really hard. But <clears throat> I knew that was the type of doctor that I wanted to be. So before I even ever thought that I was going to be a gut health specialist, what I really wanted to be was a holistic doctor that took into account everything. So there is the mindset part of the piece that I sprinkle in there. And it's so important, you know, and one of the big points that I wanted to get across to people is you can't ignore that part of it, the gut brain connection, the mindset, how your nervous system, how reactive you are, because all of that weighs into your body's ability to heal and to achieve your health goals. This podcast is sponsored by Vegamore, and I'm so excited because I begged them to work with me and give you a discount because I have visibly thicker, fuller, shinier, much longer hair without harsh ingredients. I am obsessed like a walking infomercial. They are the cleanest ingredients I can find with proven results. It is the only one that has met my standards, clinically tested to improve density up to 52%, reduce shedding by 76%, and 91% of customers say that they saw visibly thicker hair with Vegamore in just three months. I personally saw reduction in shedding immediately and shedding slowed significantly with three washes. And now my hairstylist is able to see a ton of new growth. I have heard from so many of you about your happiness with the results as well. So please, listeners, do not sleep on these incredible products. All Vegamore products are 100% cruelty-free, no harmful chemicals, and never contain parabens. I use the Grow Revitalizing Shampoo and Conditioner. It comes in a foundation kit, which also includes the Clarifying Serum. It's a little bit less expensive that way, and I have it on auto ship, so I never run out. And it's great for scalp health as well as your hair, since I also use and love their dry shampoo. The clarifying serum helps get that goo off of my scalp. And it also smells so good using only fruit oils, no synthetic fragrances. I put all of my favorites for you at vegamore.com slash whole view, where you'll also get 20% off. And there is no risk when trying because they have a 90 day money back guarantee. Why not give it a try? Get the hair that you have always wanted with Vegamore. Go to vegamore.com slash whole view and use code whole view to save 20% on your first order. That's V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R dot com slash whole view code whole view to save 20% at vegamore.com slash whole view. There's so much in what you just said, not the least of which is that you found 30 minutes a day to meditate in medical school, because I think most people don't find that time to go to the restroom or sleep or all these things I hear about medical school. So I know that's one of the recommendations that you have, but we'll talk about a little bit later. I am interested to talk more about when you say the gut-brain connection, specifically as it relates to the vagus nerve playing a role in both gut and brain health. 
Can you give some examples of what you mean? I think specifically, how does our gut health impact our mood, our anxiety, our overall mental health and physical health? I think of it being kind of a true circle of all of those systems working together, which I know you've just described and believe as well. And I think it's helpful for people to understand how that all really interacts. Yeah, I think there's two, two important ways to think about it, the gut-brain connection. One is the connection that's happening through the autonomic nervous system, specifically the vagus nerve, which is the longest nerve in the body that goes from the brain stem, travels on both sides of the neck here, and then pretty much innervates every single internal organ and controls a lot of what's happening in the background that we don't think about, like enzyme secretion, acid production in the stomach, the peristalsis, the rhythmic contractions of the small intestine. And it's also communicating in the other direction. So it's a bi-directional and it, most of the fibers, vagus nerve are actually pointing back up to the brain from the periphery. 70, 80% of the fibers are actually pointing up. Only 20, 30% are pointing down. So there's a lot that's of communication that's being sent from the vagal nerve receptors, which are called, a lot of them are 5-HT receptors, 5-hydroxytryptophan, which is basically serotonin, our happiness molecule. And that's, those are being stimulated in the gut by either gut bacteria that are producing serotonin or own enteroendocrine cells that are in the gut that also produce neurotransmitters and serotonin stimulate the vagus nerve. Then the second way that you have to think about the gut-brain connection is there are these postbiotic products, these metabolites that are being produced by bacteria in the gut. So we call, you know, the good bacteria, we call them probiotics what they produce and release and then gets absorbed into our circulation are called postbiotics. So for example, like short chain fatty acids play a really important role. And those travel through our bloodstream and can cross the blood brain barrier. And then for example, butyrate is what we call a histone acetylase inhibitor. And histone acetylase is an enzyme that controls DNA expression. So it inhibits the histone acetylase, which opens up the DNA to be interpreted in certain areas. And by doing that, it activates the production of a brain-derived neurotrophic factor, which is a learning factor for the brain. It helps the brain form new neural connections. So learning, memory, all that neuroplasticity is dependent on brain-derived neurotrophic factor. And that's being stimulated by Butyrate, which is a postbiotic that's coming from bacteria in the gut and traveling through the bloodstream. So we have both a gut-brain connection through the impulses that are being sent through the vagus nerve that then innervate different parts of the brain. And depending on the part of the brain, this is so interesting, the same nerve will send a glutamate signal, which is excitatory, or depending on the region, we'll send a GABA signal, GABA amino butyric acid, which is inhibitory. So the vagus is then controlling 
in through its feedback loop to the brain, activity in the brain. And this becomes really fascinating when you look at studies they've done on patients with treatment resistant depression, where they're on, you know, they're on one or two medications and their depression is just not breaking. And they found that their vagal nerve is not firing properly. And there was one study, I'm trying to remember if I quoted in the book, because there's so many studies in the book, uh, but there's one study where they basically used a, an external vagal nerve stimulation device because they're FDA approved vagal nerve stimulation devices that can be used in the neck or other parts of the body to, to activate the vagus nerve. There's ones that you can attach here to the tragus, the ear, and that can also activate the vagus. In fact, just a little quick, like tidbit, if you're feeling really stressed and you need to get more into parasympathetic state, just grab your tragus and massage it. And that's one way that you can activate the vagus nerve. So they took these patients with treatment resistant depression and they use vagal nerve stimulation device and found that 30, it was about 37% reversed just by activating the vagus nerve. <clears throat> so, and I wanted to share that just to show the power of the vagus nerve and the drastic effects that can happen from having low vagal tone. People, when they get stressed, like if you just went through a breakup, you're going through a divorce and you lose your appetite and everything just sits horribly in your stomach, that's low, your vagal tone drops because you're super stressed. If you are under constant fight or flight and everything that you eat just sits wrong in your stomach and you feel like food takes forever to empty from your stomach, that's also another sign of low vagal tone and low stomach acid production. If, you're, if you suffer from chronic constipation, that can also be a sign of low vagal tone, the anxiety, depression in some studies. So I'm fascinated. Sorry to cut you off. It's okay. I, yeah. You're okay. I want you to have an opportunity to finish talking about it because this is something that really fascinates me. And I feel like it's also the why of Maslow's hierarchy, which I talk about a lot. So I, it, you know, as you're talking about all these things, like if your vagal tone is low and you're not functioning, you know, on kind of these basic levels, how can you possibly focus then on, you know, some of the more self-awareness and some of these other how things, can, right? can your body heal itself? Because if you look at patients who, here's another model for low vagal tone, a traumatic brain injury patient. So someone who had a, you know, a concussion that is strong enough to have lost consciousness and ends up in the hospital. They found that within 30 minutes, vagal, vagal nerve tone drops and gut permeability goes up. So the vagus, so this is really interesting because we know that gut permeability is being controlled locally by a signaling molecule that is secreted inside the cells that line the intestines called zonulin. And then of course, all of the structuring of the tight junction proteins, which are like Velcro, but then take vagal tone out and gut permeability goes up. So there's another control mechanism on it. There's multiple different control mechanisms, but 
the vagus nerve is really important with that. And once gut permeability increases, then inflammation in the body increases. It's also really interesting to me as I'm a foster, we're a foster resource family. I'm a foster mom. We're adopting a traumatized teenager. If you think about any trauma, they've had it. Just being a foster child in and of itself, of course, is a trauma, but like we're talking about extreme. And I'm getting chills because I had a patient this week that I met for the first time and we did a long intake and she's adopted and we went through kind of the story. She's got a lot of gut health issues and we went through the story of her childhood and what she could remember and and just things that you might piecemeal in a child that was adopted from foster care that she was probably not breastfed. So, and breastfeeding and growing up in the seventies when infant formula was not well designed at all. So she wouldn't have developed that very important first colonization of the gut that happens in an infant, which is Bifidobacterium infantis, which that, so I was doing a presentation last year on the HPA access and the connection with the gut and found a really interesting study where they looked at germ-free mice and the development of the HPA access versus mice that had that were grown in a bacteria environment. So their gut was colonized with bacteria and the germ-free mice had a hyperactivation of the HPA axis and the limbic system. So in other words, the part of the brain that is reptilian brain that deals with trauma or like that overactivation. And then if they then did a stool transplant, and got the bifidobacterium into the germ-free mice, it modulated how that HPA axis was developing and actually calmed down the limbic system. So, you know, you bring that up and I think of this study, you know, me, people are not mice, you know, humans are not mice, are not humans, but, it, but the, we use them as a really good model to understand what role does gut microbiome play in certain things And you have to imagine that someone who was adopted, who, or wasn't breastfed, grew up not in a nurturing environment, that their reptilian brain, their limbic system is already hyperwired. It's been traumatized. But the cool thing is that our gut microbiome plays a key significant role, probably based on this study, on the development of how that whole system is regulated. Yeah, I think depending on how long someone is in that situation, I don't want anyone listening to think that just because they didn't breastfeed that their children weren't raised in a nurturing environment or didn't, you know, are going to inevitably have issues. We do know, however, that if we're not putting those positive bacteria and virus protections and all of these kinds of things from breastfeeding, it is something to be aware of as the child develops. I myself was not, you know, a breastfed baby. And I can point to a lot of, I think a lot of us. I wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't breastfed. The the Uh, space age of, you know, (laughs) 
humans made it, it must be better, was an idea for a really long time, right? No, like the late 60s, 70s, breast milk was believed to be inferior to formula. And I certainly, you know, luckily grew up in a nurturing environment, aside from not having been breastfed. The great thing is that they've now figured it out. And a lot, the infant formulas now include human milk oligosaccharides, which are the prebiotics that help the colonize the gut with the bifidobacterium infantis, which is so important. So at least we've come a long way in an in infant formula than from oh, where we were. I have no reason to be aware of modern infant formula, having four teenagers myself, but that's fascinating. I, among my many autoimmune diseases, had massive oversupply when I was breastfeeding my children and donated my milk to Specifically, there was an infant who, you know, had been born addicted and was allergic to milk and needed dairy-free breast milk. And it was like, you know, something that I could do at the time. So it's nice to know that there are better options these days and that, you know, science helps to figure all that stuff out. I brought up the adoption specifically because the ACE traumas and other things that our child has been through definitely plays into their physical health. Although they have yeah. a freakishly strong immune system. It's, it's like, I don't even understand how it's so strong. This is very different from our family's genetic immune system. I'm, I have autoimmune diseases. My mom does all these things. But they have other factors. They're non-binary. So when I say they, it's one child that play into especially their mental health and their blood sugar regulation and a lot of different medications that they're on that when you were speaking about the vagus nerve I was just like yeah that's them like so much them and I I am fascinated by the idea of beyond therapy CBD DBT and modern medicine like what are the things that we can do to help support them improving over time like not only did they have these traumas but they also grew up in a home where they had you know cereal and ramen as their main meals for a lot of the time because they were yeah. you know making them for themselves so yeah. it's not like they have this like you know great gut health and flora and i think for a lot of parents or for those of us who you know were not breastfed and didn't make the best choices when we were teenagers in our 20s, even though our parents may have taught us otherwise. And we're now kind of realizing, oh, shoot, look what I did to my gut health. Or, you know, people who don't necessarily have access to, you know, eating organic, eating the highest forms of oils, all of these things that you've mentioned. What are other factors that we can control that can benefit us as we're looking to improve our health and wellness. Yeah. I mean, I would start with the breath, you know, it's free and everybody has access to it. And most people, when I ask them to show me, take a deep breath, they don't know how to breathe and not meant as a judgment, but the, it's just what I've noted over the years. Most people are breathing, are what we call chest breathers. They're breathing up here with their accessory chest muscles. So if you take a deep breath, you might go like, 
you know, and all the movement is up here while your stomach is actually sucking in while you're taking that deep breath. But the way we should be breathing is the way that we knew how to breathe when we were babies. If you look at a baby when it's about to start crying, what does it do? It takes a giant big breath with its diaphragm and then it wails because it knows it through it just intuitively it knows that behind that diaphragm is so much power that they can get a really loud scream or cry and we lose that you know and i think a lot of it is maybe you know you can blame it on different things society our the you know our concept of beauty you know that beauty means your belly is always tucked and tight in and you know your chest is out i mean just think about like the i don't know when was this like the late 1800s the corsets and how important it was to have a really thin waist and yet you couldn't breathe with that and what we should be doing is the exact opposite and what i found with patients you know just uh recently patient came in with gut issues but also very anxious and as part of the visit, I just spent time going through my deep diaphragmatic breathing exercise that I teach people in my book, The Gut Smart Protocol. And he's been doing this breathing exercise. He's 20 years old. And already it's caused a shift for him. If he's feeling anxious, he'll stop and breathe. And he can feel a shift within a few minutes. And I think that's something really powerful for people to realize that you have this incredible tool, which is your breath, your lungs, and the muscles in your body. And you just have to learn to use them in a way that supports your nervous system. Because when you breathe deep with your diaphragm, so you're breathing into your lower belly and that part, your lower part expands. That's activating stretch receptors in the lungs that then activate your parasympathetic nervous system and help that vagus nerve fire, get you into that more relaxed uh, rest and digest state, which is also the state in which the body can heal. So your body's in a state of alert, your body cannot heal. And I think that's first and foremost, one of the most important things to do. And then we go into fancier breathwork in the book. I interviewed a couple of breathwork teachers. One of my favorites is Jesse Gross. He, he does a, I think he called it the best rest breath exercise, but it's really a holotropic breathwork. So it's a two-part inhale with a single exhale. So you inhale in your lower belly. So it's like, and then you exhale. And you're doing it all through your mouth. It's actually a really powerful breath work for moving emotion, whatever it is that you're feeling. Maybe you're feeling really angry about something and you just sit and you do this breath work for a couple of minutes and it's going to move that. Or maybe you're feeling fine and you do the breath work and at the end of 10 minutes, you find that you're crying and you're not sure why, but it's brought up some emotions. So it's amazing what can be accomplished through this free tool that we all have access to 
It's just having the knowledge of how to use it in a way that can benefit your health. And it starts just by deep diaphragmatic breathing. And in those moments, you know, where, you know, you've got the four teenagers and they're driving you nuts and you got to get food on the table. And if you, and you know, you're feeling stressed and if you can stop for a moment and just take three deep breaths, three diaphragmatic breaths, you can retune your system, get your nervous system calmer so then you can, you know, handle the outside world better, you know, cause it's really our inside state that then <laughs> determines how we re how we interact with the outside world but it also determines how well your body can heal. Today's podcast is sponsored by Wild Health. Immediately after learning more about epigenetics, I looked to find a brand to get testing done myself. And the one that I personally chose is offering you a discount too, which is also great for you to educate and empower yourself with resources when you're going and talking to these medical professionals. What is Wild Health? It is an innovative approach utilizing the experience of two emergency room physicians to utilize a proactive preventative approach to healthcare called precision medicine. Using a mailed sample mouth swab, your genetics, biometrics, and lifestyle data help determine what your body needs as far as nutrition, exercise, sleep, supplements, and more so that you can function at your best, optimize for you specifically now and in the long run. So for example, maybe you're a slow caffeine metabolizer and need to avoid the afternoon cup, or perhaps HIIT workouts are doing your body more harm than good. Or maybe you just learned that avoiding dairy and gluten isn't really necessary for you. This is the type of insight that you'll get with Wild Health because they address the root cause of health problems before they become issues. And you know I am here for the data. The results speak for themselves. Wild Health patients have seen a whopping 69% reduction in inflammation, 47% improvement in diabetic markers, and 58% reduced risk of cardiovascular disease, amongst many other incredible outcomes. Plus, Wild Health services are fully virtual via telemedicine and are available everywhere in the U.S., Wild Health is generously extending the Whole View listeners 20% off the cost of membership with code WholeView. Head to wildhealth.com slash WholeView and use code WholeView at checkout. Make this commitment to yourself and start taking control of your health today at wildhealth.com slash the WholeView. Summer is unofficially here and Beauty Counter is celebrating with free gifts with purchase. That's right two free gifts with purchase and just in time for Father's Day because Counterman is back for a limited time. Whether it's your partner for that stinky teen, which I'm quite familiar with, I'm grabbing about a dozen of the charcoal body washes, or maybe a friend going through tough stuff, Beauty Counter is an awesome, thoughtful gift. They test eight times for every skincare item, checking against 23 human health endpoints, making sure you are not exposed to endocrine disrupting chemicals, carcinogens, contaminants, or a high heavy metal load. So gifting Counterman is the gift of safety and health. And when you get him a gift or buy anything $125 or greater, 
you get to choose the gift set of your choice, valued at up to $75 US. Beauty Counter is available in North America, but if you're outside of the US or Canada, message me. I'd love to help you get some if you want to try it. And I love helping you pick out just the right thing to love the skin you're in. Email me, stacy at realeverything.com if you want help. And don't forget to add a Renew Band of Beauty, the VIP Perks program, for another free gift. 10% credit back, free shipping on orders over 75 and through June, it's $10 off. On a $125 product order with Band of Beauty added, that's $169 in savings and free items. And your purchase supports me and our family through my small business, as well as health protective legislation for all. Not to mention, I'm donating 20% of my commissions this month to foster awareness. Go to beautycounter.com slash Stacey Toth, just like any other website. Choose me, S-T-A-C-Y-T-O-T-H, and choose your gift at checkout at beautycounter.com slash Stacey Toth. I discovered breathwork when we got COVID for the first time. My husband's an essential worker and we got it before people were even wearing masks, like way, way in the beginning. And since then, I've really started to kind of understand more science-backed, incredible power of breathwork. And it was incredibly refreshing to see you, a medical doctor, incorporating it, not just from a wellness recommendation, but also as support for mental health. Because I think for far too long, the brain and the body have been treated separately. I know this is an issue when I'm trying to get support for anyone in my family as it relates to, you know, medication for brain or anything like that. Like, it's almost like two different languages that doctors speak and they don't, they can't (laughs) talk to one another. So it's, it is really refreshing to hear the experience and the suggestions and to see the work that you're doing to bring it all together because we really are one system, right? Like our brain is not completely separate from our body and mm-hmm. we have to learn to like work those systems together to optimize how we're feeling, whether it's physical or emotional health. And I and my stalking of you on the internet before you came on the show, I found this testimony of your work. It was actually a book review. And I want to read it because I think that it really says a lot about your work and speaks to a lot of things that you are explaining. So the reader said, I picked up my much anticipated copy of the Gut Smart Protocol after Dr. Pedre. I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping I'm, I'm every time I you, think, you got why it, are, you got why it. Why are you sticking on this, Stacey? I don't know. <laughs> and I've been learning about how gut health affects the body and even mental health. I've struggled with anxiety for a long time, but I didn't realize how important the gut is in shaping our mental health. I knew that sugar and caffeine can increase anxiety, but never understood what role the gut microbiome plays in all of this until picking up his, this book. It's so easy to read, making the science understandable for someone like me who was never good at science in school. It's actually the first time that reading any science like that and how we can be healthier and heal our bodies by healing our gut isn't boring me. I am so glad I decided to get this book. I also have some gut issues related to my anxiety. Of course you do. (laughs) We all do. If If you've got one, you've got the other. 
And this protocol makes a lot of sense. I started doing some of the breath work and meditation exercises in chapters 11 and 12, and they are already helping. The gut-brain connection is powerful. Wow. So kudos to you. I thought it was such a great kind of summary of all the different things that you're talking about and how to bring it together. And for me, the breathwork element is, it's both a short-term solution. Like I have literally been able to help a child through a panic attack by practice breathing. I have a neurodiverse child as well, who when the impulse control gets out, like we sit and we breathe. We just take three deep diaphragms diaphragm breaths just the rebreaths is all I like have to get him to do in order to feel better and then he can kind of process what he's feeling or uses words or whatever and I think knowing the impact that has had both on you know lung health through COVID for me as well as like mental health with my children I loved seeing that was something that you're supporting and I want to Point our listeners to on your website, the Gut Smart Protocol. You can go to slash recordings and you have a ton of video and audio recordings that people can take advantage of yeah. that, you know, pair with the book. But you can also just go to Dr. Wilson's website and check some of these out. I think, you know, we've talked about some of these practical strategies and non-food factors, as I like to refer to them. I myself was on an elimination diet for basically a decade. And I think ultimately it ended up doing more harm than good for me. I did figure out the foods that are inflammation triggering foods for me. But when I took away caffeine and when I started breathing and actually reducing my stress, it had, you know, a 10x impact on my health over, you know, a lot of the other things. Yeah. So yeah. I appreciate like all these different things and that that review brought in the caffeine element as well. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> you know, like I know nobody wants to hear it, but it was like literally life changing for me. But I'm wondering before we kind of part ways, if you could share any other impactful actions that we can take as we walk away today to improve our health. So I know you've talked about massaging your tragus to activate your vagus nerve. We've talked about breathing. I always like to leave listeners with something positive and actionable that they can walk away and implement after they've listened to the podcast. Is there anything else that you can think of that would be helpful for them? Yeah. I mean, so many things, so many things. Uh, I was thinking about sharing how I, I fell into depression when I finished college. I finished in three and a half years, then went back home and I had eight months before medical school. And I said that I had discovered meditation and breath work eight months before I started medical school. I was also pretty depressed. I think just from the come down from having the intensity of college to suddenly coming home and not having a lot to do and just having like this big space. And that was the time that I discovered breath work, meditation. And I created a vision board. And that vision board, along with the breath work and meditation, basically helped me get out of my depression without medication, without any other interventions, just be, you know, really positive interventions. And I've kind of experimented with that over the years and had my own mental health issues being vulnerable here. <laughs> and 
I've always found that cleaning up the diet, like you were saying, the diet is important because that's the foundation, right? That's the foundation of our bodies. If the foundation is not good, then it's going to be hard, even if you're trying to do a lot of mental health stuff. But if you're eating a lot of sugar and processed foods and things like that, it's like you're doing two things that are opposing each other. So you always want to build that foundation. And then on top of that, but you're not going to achieve total physical, mental, spiritual well-being if all you do is build the physical foundation, but you don't address the mental and emotional parts of it. So incorporating the breath work. And really, I mean, I think we probably have an epidemic of vagal nerve dysfunction worldwide. And one of the things, I don't know if you've ever listened to Tibetan monks chant. I went to, I was in Aspen and a friend invited me to go. They had a group of Tibetan monks and they were going to be meditating and chanting and you could sit and participate with it. And I can tell you the chanting does something to the mind. Like it puts your brain in, in an altered state. I felt so relaxed, but at the same time aware and elevated. And one of the ways to activate the vagus nerve is to sing, to, to chant, to, to hum. If you, if you can't even sing, if you can just hum a melody or just do some inhalations with humming. So I'll have people do five minutes of breath work and with every exhale, they're humming the exhale. So when you hum that vibration here stimulates the vagus nerve and it's a good way to, again, another biohack that is free that you carry with you at all times that can start to change your internal state which then allows you to do other positive things for your health. So there you go. I love that. Not only because the phrase of you saying, I was in Aspen and I got invited to go to a Tibetan monk humming session will forever live in my mind free read. But also because I myself find that one of the ways that I lift myself up and lift my kids up is by singing and dancing. Like we will oftentimes, they get cranky when they have to do chores or whatever it is. So we turn on music in the kitchen and I choose the most obnoxious music that I know that they not sing to oftentimes 90s pop or 2000s and, you know, get them engaged. And I always thought like, oh, you know, it's a boost to their positive brain hormones to laugh and dance and sing. But it hadn't occurred to me that it was also kind of activating vagus nerve or different areas as well. So I'm just going to, you know, little pat on my mom back, like, yep, keep doing that thing. But it just goes to show that it really can be little things that we bring into our life, of, you know, creating a vision board, making more time to sing or doing simple breathing exercises that can have a big impact in our health. And I think these things are not talked about often enough. I mean, at the top of the show, you said people associate, you know, health and wellness with diet and nutrition. And therefore, you know, it's kind of the go-to for people and it's a language they understand. And yet we know scientifically and from what you're seeing in your patients and all this kind of stuff that 
it can't just be an argument. If all people are doing is continuing to live their very stressed out life, taking a probiotic or a supplement and being restrictive with their diet, they're not going to have the same kind of results as if they're really kind of like looking at their lifestyle overall and saying, this is not the life that I want to live, right? Like I'm living in this hyper stressed out state all the time. And don't wait for a crisis to happen because what happens to a lot of people who live in hyper stressed out states is they, it takes a crisis in their lives to finally get them to change. And it's that much harder once you've gone like over the edge versus if you know start to implement things for yourself sooner that it can be a slow burn. It can be something that you do, you know, transition in time and implement sustainable changes. I think it's impossible to, you know, be successful when you have to completely change your life because you've you know, had a crisis, you're in a crisis and then you're like, and now I'm going to change everything about your life altogether. And it feels impossible. It feels overwhelming when you're in that state. So I think that's a great point. And thank you, doctor, for coming on the show. I want to remind listeners, they can find you on Instagram and TikTok as Dr. Pedra, as well as gutsmartprotocol.com. I'm sure all of your links and stuff are on gutsmartprotocol.com. So if people yeah. just went there, they could find all your socials and everything and yeah. your new book the gut smart protocol i know it's on amazon we'll put a link in the show notes is it available at, like you know bookstores and everywhere people can find books yes yeah barnes and noble bookshop.org if you want to support smaller bookshops you know and not support the big monsters <laughs> <laughs> love it shop i love my local bookshop if you're looking to pick it up quickly you can also as you said, find the links in the show. And um, listeners will be sharing what we really thought over on patreon.com slash the whole view, which is the best place to ask questions. If you love the show that we create and produce ourselves, a Patreon is a great way to support the show. But so is just leaving a review and whatever app you're listening, follow, subscribe, and share this podcast if you've enjoyed it or you know someone that you think would enjoy it. Pass the link and it will help others find us as well. I want to thank you for tuning in today. We appreciate your willingness to be open to growth through your own personal change. No one is perfect in listening, learning, and unlearning. We can become better versions of ourselves. Thanks, listeners. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.